sport is a gymnasium for human virtue. And I think that sport is one of the remaining like pure things out there. Like you, you can't be on your phone while you're playing sport, you know, like make your kids get outside and play in the dirt. You know, like it's so good for kids just for their development to be active. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Homeschool Podcast. I'm your host, Paula Siskanik, and I am thrilled to pieces to be inviting today to speak with us, Samantha Kelly. Do you have daughters that are interested in sports, that really have a passion for winning and competing, yet they're beautiful, beautiful daughters of our beautiful Lord? And how do we marry those two together? Well, today we're going to dive into that with Samantha. Samantha's going to talk to us about that. Hello, Samantha. How are you? I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you said yes, and you're coming to this. And yes, in many ways, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. So like with all things, let's get this bio, official bio, out of the way. And then we'll start diving into your work and who you are. So for those of you who have not met Samantha before, Samantha Kelly is the founder and current president of Fierce Athlete Incorporated. She played Division I, yeah, Division I soccer at UConn or University of Connecticut for those who are not from the East Coast. She's currently involved in competitive rowing. She has spent the last 12 years working for Catholic nonprofits and outreaching to female athletes. She graduated with a master's in Catholic psychology, holds certification in strength and conditioning, and has extensively studied the theology of the body. And it was actually through the teachings of theology to the body and the Catholic Church that she discovered what it means to both be feminine and athletic. These teachings have the power to heal through fierce athletes. She desires to share those truths with female athletes and women across the world. Welcome, Samantha. So glad you're here. You, me too. So we were just chatting before we went live and we're actually living close to each other. And, um, you know, I was recounting how, you know, okay, yes, I'm old enough and I am a grandmother and all of that. But in my day, there was no female soccer group for me to, you know, I enjoyed uh, physical things, but that was never even something on the radar. It was for my brothers though, mm-hmm. you know? And so uh, let's talk a little bit about our backgrounds. Like how did you end up in athlete, it, it, you know, being a soccer player? Let's dive right into that part, your background story. Sure. So you know, my parents are both very athletic and my mom, similar to you, she had the opportunity to play high school sports, um, and was good enough to play college sports. But at that time, you know, there, there just wasn't the opportunity where my dad actually went on to play college soccer. So, um, you know, even though my dad was the the college athlete, I would say I get my athleticism from both my parents. Um, I think when we look at athleticism in general, we need to realize that it's a, it's a gift. It's a God given gift and ability. 
Um, you know, it doesn't define me, but it's part of how God created me. And so I was always, you know, outside playing sports with my siblings or with my parents. We were a very active family. And as I, you know, played more and more soccer, it became a dream to play division one soccer and um, ended up, you know, getting to go to the University of Connecticut, which was really exciting because our biggest fan base was young girls. You know, it's interesting, you know, at at a university level, the guys team got the student population. They were really excited to watch them play. But we had a lot of young families that would come watch us. And so as kind of the hometown kid being able to play on the team that she used to watch, it was just a great, a great gift. Um, And, you know, it was in college through a matter of suffering some injuries that I really had to, to wrestle with my faith. And the Lord called me back through an encounter with him in the Eucharist to live the fullness of faith. And, and that kind of set me on the trajectory of really trying to figure out, okay, what does it mean to be a Catholic female athlete? And then helping other women realize that as well. Yeah. One of the things that struck me was that you said the families would go and listen, you know, be the the fan base there for the women's soccer. You know, why do you think that is? Is it um, something about the female sports that kind of lends itself to that? Yeah, I think there's a natural tender side to the woman. So the sports are more team oriented and things. But I think for young girls this day and age, right, historically, they haven't had role models that are athletes that are female. And that has shifted because there's been enough time since women have been allowed to play sports that, you know, it was a great Sunday activity for families, you know, later in the afternoon to come watch us play as a family. And, um, you know, we would do special things for the fans and things like that. So um, I think it was about having those role models, though, um, for young girls. Yeah. And so, you know, one of those things we can dive into that, because I think that's the key, you know, more than anything like that. Very often, even when we're talking about discernment, you know, like discernment to the religious life or whatever, it it is about meeting those individuals. So, you know, why I want to say like you had your dad, but it was your mom. So the two of you together, you know, the two of them together introduced that to you. Let's talk a little bit about just having a family encourage sports and maybe being those kind of or meeting road models like because we have homeschool families and sports is important they're not always invited into like big sports but what would you do to encourage families to to meet those role models yeah I mean (laughs) you know it's interesting I think that you have to look at the intentions behind people, right? A lot of my role models in sport, uh, they they definitely had some sort of moral value, right? Catholic, Christian, I, the amount of pro-Catholic female athletes out there is very small though. But you can, I think you can find either coaches or other parents or young athletes that are, their focus is helping make you a better person, not just a better athlete. And I think that that's a good distinguishing factor is, you know, I think sports is incredible. Like it teaches so much virtue, but it can also, and we, we talked about this pendulum before it can also, and we can probably expand on this, um, get pretty toxic when it's, yeah. that's what it's all about, right? It's all about 
wins and losses. And, you know, at five, everybody gets a trophy and I have many thoughts on those type of things. But within that, you do have those people that are really passionate about investing in the whole person and in the whole experience of the child. And that that's what sport is about. Um, yeah. About that camaraderie. No, I'm glad you said that because it's, it's interesting, you know, when we started um, with our little kids, it became really evident that there really, again, was a limited amount of exposure for team sports for families that decided to homeschool. And I know across the world and the country, it varies from, you know, being totally open to that. But we quickly realized that the only one that let us in was this extremely competitive, you know, and again, it's that story of five years old, my son's in this, we literally had to just stop everything we did as a family to go on this traveling team. And, and it was a toxic environment. And that was a shame because we, we really kind of had to let that go as a result of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's about discerning, you know, what's, what's best for your family. Um, you know, I think, right. Is it, is it detracting from family life? Um, and so that has to be a balance, but at the same time, you know, what are you called to? Like my family, we, we would, all three of us girls, I'm one of four. Um, and the three of us girls played, played competitive club soccer and it was an hour away. But I will say some of my best memories, and I think why I'm so close with my parents is, and my stomach, is just the long car rides we had together, you know, and, and we would, you know, we would do homework on the road. We would, you know, just talk, you know, like I think family time is so lost. And, and that was something that was really beautiful about that experience was, no, we actually got a lot of time together, uh, just traveling, Um, but again, you know, there, it does have to, you do have to find that balance and there is definitely, um, there are extremes today, I think that are unhealthy for, for young kids and how much they're, they're competing and, and training and things like that as well. So now let's kind of talk a little bit about the girls, you know, and turning into young ladies. Um, what are some of the things that, and and I know you have your passion project, what you're working with fears. And I'd like to talk about that. This is a great segue into that, but what in particular, you know, you have a young lady, she's now a teenager and she's serious about her athleticism. What does she do now? You know, what can she do? What are some of her choices? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think the the biggest thing that I think parents can reinforce for said athletic young girl um, is first and foremost that her worth doesn't come from that. This is where we always start. You know, you're more than your accomplishments or your coach's opinion of you or your parents' opinion of you. Like you are just a daughter of God, not just a daughter of God. You are a daughter of God, period. You know, and God doesn't love you, you know, because you do all these things. He loves that about you. That's how he created you. And I'm such a proponent of if we've been given this tremendous gift of our salvation through Christ, our response is to use the gifts and the the talents that he's given us, the parable of the talents, in order to honor him. And so, you know, for the competitive, like athletic girl, I'm like such a proponent of like, let her shine, let her exercise those, those gifts. Um, but at the same time, 
we're always praising her effort. We're always reminding her of her true worth. And then that's going to give her the freedom to go forth and, and compete in whatever um, club or league. Or, you know, I think that the beautiful thing about clubs, if you will, with most sports is kids come from everywhere. So it doesn't necessarily matter about your school um, or your type of schooling. I know that later on when it gets to high school, depending on your area, you can play at the, at the local high school. And I know surrounding that, I think some parents have fear. These parents I've talked to about entering into that kind of secular environment. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I think about like my experience, you know, and I grew up Catholic and, but when I kind of had my reversion back to my faith, I was the only practicing Catholic on my team. But that drove me to then evangelize my team. Mm -hmm. And and even when I strayed a little bit from my faith, I didn't stray that far because I had such a solid Catholic foundation. I think there were things, you know, some of the, the realities of sport that I could have been made more aware of by my parents before I entered into some of that secular environment. However, it was always the, like, I just think you would encourage parents, trust the foundation you've created with your daughters and then prep them. Like if, if they want to play in this environment, it's, I think it's a great opportunity to interact with individuals different from yourself, to stand up for what you believe, to share truth. Like really, these are the girls that are lights and are going to help really transform. And I have seen transform the athletic culture. Yeah, I, I love that. And especially the fact that you were a witness, but it's about trusting. And, and it's true, you know, God leads us with love, not with fear. And um, it's interesting, we have another podcast I did, which we'll be releasing about discernment. And, and you know, Mother Claire said that she was actually hanging out with the, evan- you know, uh, uh, the evangelical, yeah, I mean, different Protestant groups. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then there are her parents like, are they going to convert her, you know, but she ends up being a sister and running a whole order and everything, you know, so it's like the seeds are planted. And I thank you for saying that, Samantha, because it's really important for us to, to understand the foundations are there and, and, you know, we can actually be the leaven in the world to do that as well. So in particular, you started, in the beginning, we talked about theology, the body, like, what was it about that that really inspired you? Yeah, I mean, I had spent many years, like I said, reaching out to my teammates. And then I went on to be a missionary on a college campus where I was reaching out to D1 athletes, at maybe national level athletes. Um, and that was all, that was incredible, but I always felt like there was something missing in terms of how I could help them. And when I encountered the teaching of theology of the body, I really believe that it's such a teaching for our time. And I think it's, it's oftentimes misunderstood, but at its foundation, it teaches us, well, you know, what is the, the, the purpose of the body? Um, what does it mean to be masculine? What does it mean to be feminine? What is the purpose of our sexuality? And, you know, I'd say the biggest struggles that athletes are dealing with are body image issues. So eating disorders, body disassociation, um, sexual confusion, whether that's promiscuity or same-sex attraction. And then, and this was kind of my wound is I never felt feminine because I was six feet tall and athletic. And that, those are all and we can get into it, but the, the anecdote to all of those questions 
I found in Theology of the Body. And then I realized, wow, nobody is talking about this within this sphere. This is this teaching has the power to heal women's hearts and to prevent them from being wounded at the same time. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if you don't mind <laughs> a little personal, yeah. What is that struggle? I was wondering, can, you know, kind of get real about that? Yeah. The, the feminine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm six feet tall. I'm pretty muscular. I love sports. Uh, that wasn't growing up. That wasn't the typical feminine woman, you know, it was tall, skinny and model supermodel. Um, and so I always, yeah, I believed that I wasn't feminine, but that's a lie. What it means to be a human person is that we're a body soul union. You can't separate them. Our culture today says you can, you can, you can choose whatever you want, but the reality is you can't separate them. They're separated in death, which wasn't meant to be. So we're a body soul union. So one affects the other. So what we do to our bodies affects our souls. What we do to our souls affects our bodies. Also, because I have a feminine, a female body, mm-hmm. I am feminine in my whole being. And if a man was created with a male body, he is masculine in his whole being. Now, I can reject that, but to say I'm not feminine is actually just a lie because I am feminine in my whole being by the fact I was created a woman. Mm-hmm. Now, if we look at the body also reveals the soul. Um, it reveals the nature, the, the, the gender difference reveals that we are, we are different, made to be one, which reflects the union of God. But if we look at the female body, it actually kind of reveals what it is to be feminine. So in the sexual act, women are receptive, and then they have this ability to bear forth life. So the height of femininity is receptivity and the ability to bear forth life. So every time I play my sport, I'm being receptive to others. That's why when you look at a women's game versus a men's game, it's just more team oriented. There's a natural receptivity within women, but I'm also bearing forth life in, in how I play and how I interact with my teammates and how I invest in them. Um, I'm also being receptive to suffering. And so I kind of realized this, like, I don't know, I called it like the gold key, like this, this truth of wow, every time I work out, every time I'm playing my sport, I am actually exercising my femininity in my own unique way. Now, what I will caution is you can take that to an extreme. And we kind of talked about this earlier. You know, women can be competitive. They can be fierce. But you never want to devoid it or like divorce it from the woman's natural tender nurturing side. I love to use Mary as an example. She is, she's fierce. I mean, she's the most like, intense mother, like she crushes the head of Satan. And yet she is the most tender woman that ever lived. There's a marriage there between the two um, that I think you see in like this, this motherly mama bear sense of woman. Um, But she also has this natural tender side. And so just realizing those truths again, I think, because I think a lot of women act out in certain ways because they, they feel like they have to compensate or they are insecure about their femininity. And so if we can kind of redefine the culture's definition and just reveal the true definition of femininity, then that that's really an anecdote. Antidote. Would you say that? Uh, yeah. A confusion. And that's like huge. I'd like to, you know, talk a little bit more about that because it, it is this idea that, you know, as you said, 
um, body image, but also this idea that if um, if I'm not that model of, then I must be more guy-like. What does that kind of lead to in terms of some of these misconceptions and going down the wrong path? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, first of all, when it comes to the to the body, I think the majority of individuals and Catholics have a false view of the body. Um, they view it as a shell. And it, like I said before, we're a body soul union. Our bodies will be resurrected in the second coming. Like God created them very good. And so they are very sacred mm-hmm. and we don't think, we think so much of the spiritual. We don't think of the physical, but like I said before, one affects the other. So taking care of the body is something sacred um, affects, affects the spiritual, you know? And so combating things like body shame, combating just disassociation from the body. I think a lot of athletes, because they use their bodies and know how to manipulate their bodies to perform, i.e. I lift, I run, I eat certain things and I'm going to get faster and stronger. Right. But the body's not just a tool. It's something that is part of your whole being. When it comes to maybe having a little bit, feeling a little bit more masculine, stronger, again, we're redefining that. Um, but I think you see women who um, act out sexually because of that. There's many, many reasons behind those wounds and those choices. Um, but I think it's something that parents need to be aware of is just the high level of, of same-sex attraction um, within women's sports. And you see it from see it from abuse. You see it from overcompensation. You see it from just the sheer fact that women are together and they're emotionally connecting and they don't know what to do. Plus the fact that our culture is saying attraction equals sexual attraction. And that's just not the case. Like I had people try to recruit me and I will say it, that happens, but you know, and that's something I wish I had kind of learned. And that's why I say it. It's like, I'm supposed to be attracted to you, Paula. Because that's how I know what it is to be a woman. Like I can admire you as a woman, but that's different than a sexual attraction. Correct. Just stating that truth, I think, for young women, helping them if if those feelings arise, okay, it's natural. You can kind of just push it aside and continue on and and things are okay. Um, rather than I think sometimes, and again, we don't ever want to approach things in fear, but but some level of knowledge, discerning, okay, what is this coach pushing? if they're pushing anything, what's, what's the culture of the team like? Um, again, I think that that, that can help women because that can be very damaging. I've had many friends quit college sports because of, of those type of influences. Um, so you want to make sure your kid's ending up on the right spot too. Yeah, I mean, it's hard and it comes across in the culture everywhere. You know, I have a daughter who's in a history major and, you know, she's constantly combating again, quote, the woke, you know, culture to try to just, you know, reinvent history. And, and so we can see this in, across the board. I would think you're right, especially because it's so close to our body, body image with sports, you know, you're even that much more vulnerable. What about friendships? You know, that's one of the things we, you know, just learning to be a friend. How does that play out in, in, in sports? And how does that play out in terms of our femininity? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Fierce Athlete has a podcast as well. And we did an episode on same-sex attraction, but we did a two-part series. And the the second part was true friendship Mm -hmm. because that is really the deepest desire of of young women's hearts is to have women that they connect with. Um, And 
and knowing how to how to love them rightly. Uh, but but the good thing about sport is, yeah, especially with with team sports, is you have to work together. And you have to learn, you know, it might not be the highest level of friendship where you're really willing the good of the other and, and there's a spiritual bond, but there's a level of having to get to know and interact with and learn to communicate with other women. And I think that that is a great, it's a great skill. It's a great um, gift, you know, I, but it's interesting. It's like my closest female friends that were, they're scattered around the country, but they're all um, former college athletes and women who are seeking holiness mm-hmm. within the Catholic faith. Right. And that is, I think, a rare, it's becoming more frequent, but a, kind of a rare combination, but a really beautiful and a really powerful one. And those are the women that push me to be the best I can be um, on a physical level, an emotional level, a spiritual level, a mental level. They're not afraid to challenge me, but they're also the first ones to show up if I need help. And, and there's just a really beautiful friendship there. So, um, and th- some of those have come from, from sport. Uh, so it is an avenue, I think, for great, great friendship. Mm-hmm. So I know you'd alluded to this, Jesus. So fierce itself stands for something. What actually does it stand for? Yeah, there's some big words, but they're kind of our, our pillars, if you will. So I don't broadcast them because I don't want to intimidate people, but it kind of is our formation. Um, so F is femininity. You know, where is, like we've been talking, what does it mean to be a, a woman and a feminine woman within sport? I is identity. So you have to start first and foremost, like I said before, with just helping women realize the deeper truth of their identity as a daughter of God. Um, e is embodiment. So we look at you know, the, the body soul union, we look at the body and the, the sacredness of it. Um, R is receptivity, which I explained before looking at the height of femininity and receptivity. C is um, Catholicism. So, you know, we reach women of all faiths and backgrounds um, because a lot of the truths we share, every woman needs to hear because every woman has dignity. Um, but everything we preach is, is rooted in the truth of the Catholic church. And then E is encounter. So the beautiful, um, one of the beautiful parts of sport is just the platform that athletes are given to share their faith, but also the natural groups of evangelization they have, you know, depending on where kids are playing, you might be one of only a handful of people on the team practicing any type of faith. You might be the only family on, on Sundays running, running to find a mass at a soccer tournament. Uh, that works with your schedule. I mean, we always went to mass uh, and, but that allowed me to then share my faith in a very unique way with, with the girls around me. Cause we already had that trust built from playing together. And so it, it kind of is this Avenue sport is a very universal language, just like Catholicism is, means, you know, universal. So um, we, we teach women to, to share their, share their faith in these truths with each other. How does fears actually work then? And, you know, kind of resources. And then, and then I want to just before, you know, we finish to make sure we talk about, I guess it's what the 50th anniversary of title nine and, you know, what does that actually mean? So what, tell me how people can get um, a hold of your group and what kind of resources do you provide? Yeah. So fierceathlete.org is kind of our, our home. Yeah. We'll make sure we get the link below this video. So people will have that. Yeah. 
Awesome. Yeah. So fierceathlete.org, um, that'll point you towards our podcast, the Fierce Athlete Podcast, which I think is a great resource for, you know, women and parents all over the country. Um, we also offer different events. Um, I've worked with some homeschooling groups before. Uh, we do, I do talks. We come in and do like a strength and conditioning clinic. So it's part clinic, part theology of the body retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, I do retreats. I also mentor individuals from the high school level all the way up through the professional level. Um, and I offer uh, physical coaching and spiritual coaching. So um, I'm, I'm programming workouts for different athletes and different women and men of all ages, and then tying in the kind of spiritual aspects to it as well. I love to teach people how to pray through working out yeah. and the beauty of that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of everything we're, we offer right now. That's awesome. So let's, yeah, I mean, it's wonderful. I hope that families listening to this will go to your podcast, will listen to that. But also more importantly, there are homeschool groups to be able to invite you, even just to be able to listen to this podcast and share it with their group, you know, but to understand, I think what you bring, you know, Sam is, is, as you said, it's very rare that it exists that we're, we're talking about female sports in terms of being a daughter of God and understanding that, you know, you are not defined by your sport, but you're also called to serve it in your sport as well. So this is so, so awesome. Let's talk about that title, nine, 50 years. What was actually its intention and what the heck went wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, okay, so so title nine, we just had the, the 50th anniversary. So um, it was an educational amendment. Uh, passed in 1972. It was actually a follow-up to the Civil Rights Act um, of 1964. Yeah, 1964, I believe. Um, And basically, the Civil Rights Act didn't include education. So Title IX was meant to prevent sex-based discrimination in educational institutions receiving federal funding. So that includes scholarships, admission, but it also includes athletic departments um, and and scholarships and, and program size and, and things like that. So, I mean, it, it did a lot of really good for, for women. You know, I, I just, we just did a podcast on it and my guest was a woman that played, they didn't have professional tennis back there, but essentially pro tennis in the sixties. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, was like, I had to apologize for liking sport in that age. Like it was so countercultural. And I don't have to apologize for liking sports. I got to fight, you know, to maintain my femininity and my dignity within it, but I never had to apologize. Um, you know, I think she, she played interestingly against Billie Jean King, who has been one of the front runners for title nine, you know, Billie Jean has done a lot of good in terms of pushing professional sports. However, um, you see her, you know, kind of push the feminist movement in this whole battle of the sexes, women are better than men, um, and, and really go down this path of, of, you know, kind of negativity, living a very, um, openly, you know, lesbian and openly lesbian relationship. And yeah, I think some of the, the sad side effects of title nine is, um, is women trying to prove that they're better than men rather than equal, but different. Um, and then now, interestingly, it's under attack again. It, it was a very, uh, kind of baffles me. You know, you have these 
ESPN woman, like ESPNW. And here they are promoting transgender athletes. And it's like, it's, it's one of the biggest conversations amongst athletes, women athletes right now, because I was talking to a 15 year old and she's just like, what is that all about? She goes, that makes me feel like I don't matter as a woman. And it's like, you're 15. Like you shouldn't have to worry about that. But the Biden administration is trying to change within title nine, the word sex to the word gender, um, which would open the door for transgender athletes. Now there's some international governing boards, like the swimming board that has finally stood up and said no, which hopefully will trickle down to the NCAA and, and begin to fight that. But even today, the governor of Pennsylvania, my state, um, just vetoed a right or an act to protect women's sports. So gets me a little mad and frustrated because of everything we've worked for. Um, but it's something that, you know, is at the forefront right now of, of the battle. And in order to protect what we just talked about this, this whole podcast. So, so my encouragement would be, you know, people talk to your representatives, but also just pray pray for the protection of, of women right. um, within sport. Yeah. And I mean, so I'm glad you brought that up because that is, it's a dismantling on all fronts. You know, uh, it was the feminist movement in many ways attacking, you know, uh, and people grabbing onto that, as you said, something that can have even just have the seeds of truth and goodness is getting twisted in such a way. You know, I mean, I, we talked earlier before we went live, you know, I was a chemical engineer and being in a, you know, a lecture hall with 300 students. And I was one of the four women in there. And, you know, again, the ability for me to actually do that, to be able, as you say, not to apologize, to actually become what I was called to be and to work in this area was a great blessing. But there's also that downside where now we've gone to the point where we're radicalizing it mm-hmm. or making it a right instead of actually placing it in its proper natural order of things. Yeah. No, I think you put that perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. So um, any, you know, before we wrap this up, I really want you to give us some parting words, you know, again, in particular, we're dealing with families who may have young children. Like you said, we started this out whereas you're a daughter of God, you're not defined by your sport, but some, you know, to, to, rejoice in that athleticism given this world what do you want to leave women with and families in particular sure um this is one of my favorite quotes from saint john paul ii he said that um sport is a gymnasium for human virtue and i think and while a lot of homeschool families do a great job of this we're in such an overly technical society and I think that sport is one of the remaining like pure things out there. Like you, you can't be on your phone while you're playing sport, you know, like make your kids get outside and play in the dirt. You know, like it's so good for kids just for their development to be active. And my other word would be, you know, don't fear, but be discerning, right? You know, you are the gatekeeper of your child's athletic experience um, to some extent. And like I said, I think the lessons I work, I learned from sport are invaluable. I mean, that's why, not that we're going for worldly things, but that's why the majority of CEOs today are, are former college athletes. There's just the lessons of dealing with suffering, of perseverance, of learning to work with others. Like they really are virtues that parallel 
the spiritual life in a lot of ways. And I think athletes have a deep propensity for the spiritual life because they're used to visualization, because they're used to working for something greater than themselves. Um, but at the same time, you know, be discerning, you know, get to know the coach, get to know the other parents, get to know the other kids. And um, really, you know, one of the best is one of the best young athletes I know. Um, I think she's a freshman in, in high school right now. Um, and she's home has been homeschooled up through high school. And, you know, she has said to me, I am in charge of advocating for myself. My parents don't. Because what you see is a lot of overarching parents who say to the coach, my kid needs to be playing this position, blah, blah, blah. And her parents have said to me, they said, there's two instances where we've had to step in, you know, something inappropriate was going on or there was a responsibility of the parent. But this woman is, this young girl is so impressive in just her ability to communicate and her, her teammates recognize it. She, I mean, she's the only kid without a cell phone and she just became captain of the team, but she's in it. And she's really seeking to be, she brought one of her her teammates to this camp we're doing like she's really seeking to be an evangelist and she is a light and so um yeah like i said don't fear but be discerning but also recognize if you have a kid that has this athletic ability i think it's something that that you should really allow them to to do and to explore yeah and that comes from comes from the lord you know and what he makes is good and i love that i love that sam because it is possible he doesn't lead us and he wants us to love and to lead with love and that's i love that story about that young girl doesn't surprise me she was almost bold <laughs> and the fact that she didn't have a cell phone so she actually could probably talk to people by looking at them in the eye <laughs> instead of here that's <laughs> so great perfect you know it was a delight i i really as I said, please, everybody listen to Sam's podcast. It's going to be it's fierceathlete.org. And we'll put the links there. Reach out to you anytime. Uh, I'm just so thrilled that you took the time to share with us this beautiful ministry. Of course. Thank you for having me. And yeah, if anybody wants to reach out, all the info's on on our website. Beautiful. Thank you again. Thank you, everybody, for showing up. And please join the Catholic homeschool community that's catholichomeschoolcommunity.com that's where all the engagement happens after the podcast may god bless you all abundantly take care bye-bye now bye thank you so much for watching if you enjoyed this video please consider liking it and subscribing to our youtube channel you can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Thank you, and have a blessed day.